No qualifying offer for Jorge Soler. Not sure why. I'm going to talk about it today, but for me, it feels like a huge mistake and a massive missed opportunity for a team, an organization, and a president of baseball ops that is going to be heavily focused on drafting and developing. High-value draft pick. The Marlins will not be getting, and I think they could have got it just by a simple paper exercise. Not sure about that decision. I'm going to talk about it on today's Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England. Welcome to Locked on Marlins. This is your Daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you are listening to the pod, firstly, hello. It's the Tuesday episode, 7th of November. Thanks for making Locked on Marlins your first listener of the day, guys. Uh, I think there's probably your second listen is on deck uh, with uh, Carl Selaf, I think, hosting maybe live. An episode of the, the Hot Stove Show with Peter Bendix. I'm looking forward to that one. Looking forward to hearing directly from Peter Bendix. Um, but no doubt this will be your first listen. So I appreciate it, guys. It's your team every day, of course. Locked on Marlins. Question is, will Peter Bendix be subscribing? Will he be appearing on Locked on Marlins? I think he will. This prediction I'm making is that in the next six months, Peter Bendix will be on. And we're going to have a fun conversation. Wait to see. Um, guys, there is a YouTube channel as well, of course. Make sure you hit subscribe over there. Also, um, this episode is primarily focused on Hoy Soler. For those that listened yesterday, and a lot of people did listen to yesterday's episode, so it's great to um, it was great to have you along. A lot of comments, a lot of people excited by the the hire. Um, at the back end of that episode, though, uh, we were able to give some live reaction to the news that the Marlins will not be submitting a qualifying offer to Hoy Soler. So I'm going to dig into that in a little bit more detail. You may have seen, for those that are following me on Twitter, Rex, I you know spent a little bit of time yesterday evening, my evening anyway, like kind of 11 p.m. It's like an amazing, it's a great hour for, you know, creative thoughts in my mind anyway. And every, all of you guys up on the East Coast are all actively tweeting at that time. And, you know, it gets the juices flowing. But, man, I... I I kind of come away and I'm thinking about this whole Hoy Soler qualifying offer situation. And it's fair to say, like, there's a lot of different opinion around on, on Soler. And there's like, you know, and I get it. I think you can have a really balanced argument about why the Marlins decided not to submit a quali qualifying offer to Hoy Soler. My view, my opinion is that I think that was a mistake. Uh, I think that was a mistake because. I fundamentally don't believe that Soler was going to accept that one-year $20 million deal. I don't think he was going to do that. I think he's looking to cash in right now on an all-star campaign in 2023. And so that's just my my gut feel on this, is that even if this, the qualifying offer was submitted, Soler is looking for a guaranteed 40-plus and that just lets, you know, I come away thinking huge missed opportunity for the Marlins because if that was to be the case, I think they'd get a comp 
B pick. Um, you know, for a team and for a president of baseball ops that is coming in and their specialism is effectively rebuilding the farm right now. It's a big job, but one extra, you know, top 100 pick, it's going to be helpful. It's going to be helpful. And all the Marlins would have needed to do to have done was submit that qualifying offer, you know, an administrative exercise. I don't think Soler's accepting it. And for me, that's a missed opportunity. So the Marlins don't submit it. The question is, is, and I don't think Soler would have accepted either. That was the question that I've, you know, put out there on the on the rundown. Would Soler have accepted 20 mil? I think no. I think no specifically because I think he's looking for multi-years. I think he's looking for maybe two with an option or something around 50 million. You know, there's there's not a ton of sticks around this offseason. This is a really interesting period for like a player like Soler coming off, you know, really good campaign, proven power stick. And there's a lot of teams out there that have money to spend and need to upgrade. And I think Soler has got a really good opportunity to land you know, with a big club. And, you know, he's got a bit of versatility with his outfield situation. It's not optimal, clearly. Um, but, you know, it's the type of, you know, he's the type of player. Like, it's a game, he's a game-changing player. Skip Schumacher called that out during the season last year. Like, it's game-changing power. It's funny, you go to Baseball Savant. I did this. I don't know if you guys have done this or not, but you go to Baseball Savant and you kind of go to the uh, the spray chart and you look at where some of these home runs land and. I love the way baseball savant, you can literally just click on, you know, each individual home run, for example, and it will just take you to the exact clip of that. And you can watch it and you're like, wow, okay, man. Soler is an extremely talented hitter, extremely talented. Like he is a supreme power hitter. Um, that isn't, you know, he isn't like, he's not quite like a Schwarber where it is truly boom or bust. Like, you know, Soler's got, he's got some skills, no doubt. And, and I think in some ways as Marlins fans, I think we're, we're maybe undervaluing Jorge Soler. I feel like there's this view of him that he is banged up and, you know, he's, you know, this is a lucky year or whatever. Soler in his first year, was exactly who we expected him to be. He then got hurt. In the second year, he was exactly who we expected him to be. And he, he was an all-star. The Marlins got full value from that contract. Guys get hurt. It is what it is. But I just get the sense that, like, as Marlins fans, we're kind of, you know, looking past the impact the Hoy Soler had on this team last year. Like, it was a sizable impact in the early part of the season in particular. Like, there was just no other power around. There really wasn't. So I feel like we're undervaluing Soler. I think teams are going to value Soler. I think the market looks pretty thin just generally. There's a lot of teams that got a lot of money to spend and a lot of holes they need to fill. A lot of teams that have money to spend need to get better. Rapido, the Mets, the Bravos maybe. Um, who else are we thinking? The Padres have got up. I mean, they haven't got any money either, but you know, the Padres need to get better. The Cardinals absolutely need to get better. I mean, they've got so many outfielder DHs, that's maybe a problem for them, but Tons of clubs where Soler will be linked to because fundamentally he's an above average DH and he's got proven power. And this is the thing that I spent a bit of time doing yesterday evening 
I went to look at the 2023 home run leaders. I sorted them by most home runs hit. And I wanted to look like how much these guys are being paid. What's the value for power in Major League Baseball right now? Like what? In, like how does the qualifying offer and Hoy Soler at 20 million, how would that compare? So for those that didn't see this tweet, I'm going to quickly kind of rattle through these guys just to bring it to life because, you know, some people are going, well, you know, you don't want to pay 20 million for Soler. He's a DH and da, da, da. I think this maybe helps to bring it to life. Major League leader for home runs last year, Matt Olson, plays first base granted, 21 million um, he, he earned. Carl Schwarber, next on the list, 20 million. The only league minimum guy who appears on this list is Adolis Garcia. So he was league minimum. Fourth on the list in arbitration, uh, so this will go up probably in and around 20 million, is Pete Alonso. Shohei Otani, 30 million. Ronald Acuna, as you know, relatively below market value extension, 17 million. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, 16 million. Austin Riley, 15 million. That's going to get bigger next year. Corey Seager, 35 million. Mookie Betts, 20 million. Luis Robert, 9.5 million uh, below average um, contract there. I think that bumps up next year. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, another great extension there. 7 million for Jordan Alvarez. That bumps up again this year. Aaron Judge then at 40 million. Max Muncy, 13 and a half. Soler at 19 and Juan Soto at 23. That is your home run leaders across both uh, leagues. And that is sorted by number of home runs in 2023. Well, that says to me is power's expensive. And the other the other main takeaway is it's only Adolis Garcia that is a league minimum guy that is delivering that type of power and that number of home runs. I think that's really interesting. That kind of surprised me. Did that surprise you guys that it's, you know, of the top, what was that? That's 20 guys, only one league minimum guy. That just shows like, Guys in Major League Baseball, it takes time to mature, perhaps, to these levels. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking that. But and maybe it's just a different type of profile in the game now. Maybe, like, some of the younger guys coming through, there's maybe a different type of approach. I don't know. I don't know, to be honest with you. It just caught my eye that, of like, of the top 20, only one was league minimum. So the question I was trying to work out is, is Soler worth $20 million? And if you want to just look at home runs and listen... The Marlins need home runs. They need power. 20 million is not an overpay for Hoy Soler, in my opinion. In my opinion, anyway. I don't think there is. I think 20 million is market value for sure. You are not overpaying if the Marlins commit 20 million. And let me just tell you, last year, what I didn't realize, this also caught me off guard. Hoy Soler's contract was actually 15 million. However, there are incentives in his contract that took it actually to 19 million because of plate appearance incentives that Hoy Soler had. So I believe he ended up earning 19 million. And we thought that was value. So is Soler worth 20? Yes. Is he going to get 20 per year for three years, 60 million? Probably not, but it'll come close to that, in my opinion, because there's going to be clubs looking for guaranteed game changing, game winning power. And a 20 mil, maybe an 18 million, you know, annual average value. You know, I can absolutely see that happening. Let's then think about why the Marlins didn't offer it in some more detail. Is it linked to payroll? Is there wider problems here? This draft pick, 
it was there for the taking. Why did they not get it? Equally, we're going to briefly touch on Skip Schumacher and the fact that he is a candidate for manager of the year, rightly so. And I think he's a lock, so we'll talk about that as well. But before we do that, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. Yes, sir. And guys, listen, it is truly NFL season now. It really is. So you need to score early this NFL season with FanDuel. It is America's number one sportsbook. And right now, if you are a new customer, yes, you, if you are new, then you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Simple as that. Huge offer, just a $5 money line bet. If it wins, new customers, $150 in bonus bets. Stunning. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. So the app itself, it is super easy to use. And there's a wide range of betting options. They got everything, everything you need, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So all you have to do is very simple. You visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, you're back here with me, Peter Pratt, on Tuesday, the 7th of November. For those that aren't watching, I apologize. I'm going to have a quick little sip of this coffee. Apologies for that. I know what you're thinking. It's late for a coffee. This is correct. Why aren't you drinking a wine? Good question. Not sure. Either way, no wine and a coffee. Bad combo. Even so, let's continue this conversation around Hoy Soler. So I think we've answered the question. Is Soler worth 20 mil? The market and the production tells me yes. Why did the Marlins decide not to extend that qualifying offer, which he would have likely declined, in my opinion, and thus resulted in a comp B, maybe even a comp A pick? If it was over 50 million, I think that's the threshold. Then that's a comp A pick. It's even higher. I think there's a chance that Soler gets over 50, to be honest with you. So why didn't they do it? The question is, and that's the question that I'm kind of puzzling, it's puzzling me. Why would they not submit that qualifying offer? The only reason could be is that they were worried that Soler may accept it. That's the only reason. The only reason. You can't look at it and say, the qualifying offer at 20 mil, we don't want him to accept it because it's an overpay. It's not an overpay. It's not. 20 million for Hoyce. They paid, they paid him 19 million last year. 20 million is not an overpay. So it is not about value. It isn't. You look at those guys on that leaderboard I mentioned. That's the that's the price you pay for guaranteed power. And Hoyce is guaranteed power. Yes, there's been some injury niggles. And yes, he's not great defensively. But neither is Carl Schwarber. And these are hugely impactful guys. Game changers. You can't have enough of them. So the Marlins didn't submit the qualifying offer because they were worried that Soler would accept. Or they wouldn't, they didn't want to take the risk that he would accept. So let me just let's just consider now that the Marlins wanted the draft pick and they didn't, and they thought, well, if we give it to Soler and he accepts, we're in trouble. Let me just put it out there right now. If he did accept, and they took that risk, and he did accept, the Marlins have the option at that point to trade Jorge Soler to anyone, his salary included. They have an option at that point to trade him wherever. So even if on the 6th of November, 
submit a qualifying offer. In a few days' time, Soler says, yep, I'm actually going to take that money. The Marlins can actually still move it. And listen, a one-year prove-it deal at $20 million for Jorge Soler, there's value in that. There is value in that, in that they would likely get back a similar type of guy to that comp B pick that they would have maybe missed out on anyway, or would have received anyway. Like, that's the type of value. Like, you would be able to move Soler easily. This is not a dead money situation. This is not an Avicel Garcia. This is an all-star proven power hitter on 20 million on a one-year deal. No commitment beyond. It's a it's a really enticing trade option. So this again just adds to the the amazement. I'm stunned. Put it out there yesterday on Twitter. I'm stunned that the Marlins did not offer or submit a qualifying offer for Hoy Soler. I just can't understand why. I can't. The upside was you get a draft pick for five minutes work, some administrative option. You get you get a draft pick in a, a farm that needs addressing rapidly. It's what Peter Bendix is being brought in to do. Just imagine just giving him a touch more ammo straight away. They decided not to. Soler, if he accepts, it's not dead money. You've got an all-star DH power hitter that was hugely impactful for your roster last year. And if you decide we don't have the money, we don't have the payroll to support 20 million Soler as well as Josh Bell for the whole year, as well as everything, everyone else having the, the arbitration bumps, then you can trade Soler for something. You can trade him. There will be 15 clubs interested. I'm telling you, there'd be 15 clubs interested in Hoy Soler on a one-year deal of 20 million. They would. And you then have a bidding war accordingly. Okay, maybe there's only 10 interested, but there is a market for Hoy Soler, no doubt about it. So the Marlins didn't go down this path. I'm stunned, to be honest with you. The question then is, they're doing this because they're worried about the payroll. So that then brings us into, are there payroll issues here with the Marlins? And actually, are they they looking to shed payroll at this point? There's dead money anyway, as we've already talked about with Sandy. Unfortunately, it's injured dead. You've got Avicel Garcia. I mean, I'm intrigued to see what happens with Avi. I haven't heard anyone say that he's going to be released, but it feels like that's become the assumption. I don't want to end up going down another massive rabbit hole with Avicel Garcia. However, from a Marlins perspective, there's no need to, there's no reason and rationale to actually cut him down. There isn't, unless they need the 40-man spot. It's the only way, the only need to do it. And maybe that that's necessary. It, maybe they look at the roster and go, we need the 40-man for Rule 5 protections, whatever it might be. We have to move on from Avi right now. But is there not a pathway with Avicel Garcia where you have a Marcelo Zuna situation? Bounce back out of nowhere? Become a stud again? Find his groove? There is a pathway. Does Avi want it? Don't know. Do the Marlins want Avi to get it? I mean, yeah, they, they do. They need to see some value in the return. Anyway, I promised I wouldn't go back down the Avicel Garcia situation. But there, there seems to be 
a situation here from a payroll perspective. And listen, Peter Bendix is from that world of, you know, low payroll, low budget, do what you can. However, Rome is not built in a single day. His, his role, his value, it will take multiple years until you, you fully realize the value in what Peter Bendix can actually directly help with. The farm he's inherited right now, it is what it is. And it's all about trying to maneuver, manipulate, add, develop, draft, to add to that, to get the Marlins up to the type of farm system that's essential for this club to have sustained success, as we know. But I don't know. I'm still left kind of dumbfounded why the Marlins didn't submit the offer. I just don't see any downside. I I actually don't. I'm struggling to see any downside. One, there's only two situations. Well, there's three outcomes really, right? Qualifying offer out, declined. Soler signs a multi-year deal somewhere. You get a draft pick. Great. Soler, he accepts the offer. And do you remember like a few months ago, we were thinking, man, it'd be amazing if Soler would accept that offer. Like he's so valuable to this club. Like it's all flipped on its head. We're all like thankful the Hoy Soler is gone. Like, the dude was an all-star. He was a huge part of the team. Why are we thankful the Hoy Soler has decided to, to go? And the Marlins have decided to, like, willingly let him go. I've no idea. I've no idea. Where, where has this come from? Don't know. I actually, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. But if he'd have accepted, you either keep him until at least the deadline and if, you know, it isn't your year, you know, you move him. If it is his year, and it is the Marlins year, then you have Hoy Soler for a, another postseason run in 24. But if, you, if he accepts and you can't afford him, then you can still trade him now anyway, and you get something back. So in all of those examples, in all of those scenarios, the Marlins get something back. In the only scenario that they get nothing back they decline to submit a qualifying offer. That's the only situation where they get nothing back. And that's what the Marlins did. Every other scenario, there is value to be to be realized by the Marlins, either in draft capital, be it directly from a comp pick or from a trade, or directly in on-field performance for a team that's looking to go back to the postseason. I'm absolutely stunned by it. Tell me guys what I'm missing, because I don't know. I'm trying to look at all the options I'm looking at the upside. I'm looking at the downside. And I'm not seeing any upside in the, in the approach they've taken. I'm stunned by it. I hope Kyle Selaf asked Peter Bendix directly today, why did you not submit a qualifying offer to Jorge Soler? I'd love to know, I'd love to know why. And if he doesn't, someone listen to this, text Peter Bendix and say, come on, Lockdown Marlins, and you tell these listeners. Because I don't know. People, this is a polarizing topic, like I said on Twitter yesterday. A lot of people were absolutely on board with what the Marlins did. It's fine. I'm not. I'm completely opposite to that. And I've put forward the reasons why. There was no downside. None. No downside. And they took the only move 
that gave them no value back. For a club that needs to eke out value in every situation, this doesn't make any sense. Skip Schumacher, though. Let's briefly touch on Skip. He is one of the three finalists, the NL Manager of the Year. Those three finalists, you've got a guy that was in the news heavily yesterday, Craig Council, Skip Schumacher, and you've got Brian Snicker over at the Bravos. For me, this is a slam dunk. Absolute slam dunk that Skip Schumacher's winning this. Um, I'd be stunned. I'd be absolutely stunned if he doesn't win. And he deserves it. Skip Schumacher and what he did with the Marlins from 69 wins the year before to 84 and the fifth best team in the NL. One hell of a job, Skip. One hell of a job. We spoke about it with Sean yesterday. Like, I'm all in on Skip. I've seen enough. Peter Bendix hire, I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to maybe take Skip's management maybe to the next level. He's going to learn from what Peter Bendix has gleaned over his years and maybe the other way too. So it's going to be a really interesting situation. But Kim Ang nailed this hire. Skip Schumacher is in some ways Kim Ang's legacy. From what was reported, a lot of people in the Marlins organization didn't want Skip Schumacher, but Kim did. Kim identified the talent, and I could sense it from Kim. She was like certain on Skip Schumacher immediately, and she wasn't wrong. She nailed this one. This is her legacy. And as I said yesterday, there's not a need to do this contractually because there's a team option for next year, but I would love to see a statement, a statement here where this new look front office, including the manager, have this alignment in terms of their togetherness. We'll wait to see if that happens. There's not a necessity to do it contractually, but I would love for that statement to be made because this is what the Marlins have to do. They have to unearth young talent that think about the game in different ways and give the Marlins a competitive edge. And when they hit on them, you have to keep them. You can't be taking those risks for other teams and letting those other teams then benefit from the risks that you have taken. The Marlins took all the risks with Skip Schumacher, and it's paid off. So make sure you realize that benefit for as long as possible. Guys, that's been Locked on Marlins on Tuesday, the 7th of November. It's all about Jorge Soler. For me, the Marlins completely botched this one. I saw the option they took as the worst possible one. What I could see is zero downside. Zero downside on any of the other options. But the Marlins decided not to offer and extend that qualifying offer to Hoy Soler. I don't know why, but I hope we find out. I look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. I'll see you then.